North Berkeley. This is Wheelchair Accessible. We thank you, Mary, for everything you've done. And you're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover, open book. to the Poet to Poet series. I'm your host, Dina Serrano. My guest today is Judy Wells, a fourth-generation San Francisco, Bay Area, Californian, and a prolific poet. She received her B.A. in French from Stanford University and her Ph.D. in Comparative Literature from the University of California. Dr. Wells taught writing and literature at various Bay Area colleges. And she is a very active member of the San Francisco Bay Area Women's Poetry Salon. Welcome, Judy Wells. Thank you, Nina. It's really fun to have you here because you always have such a light and bright and comic spirit. And today we're going to be hearing something from your unpublished work, a work in progress. Can you tell us about it? Yes. The tentative title of the work in progress is called Senior Moments. And basically, I have written monologues that I've either overheard or that I've made up myself about older people. And an older person to me now can be anyone over about 65 and on up. So this is what I'd like to read today. And are they Berkeley people? Usually they are Berkeley people. I think you might recognize some of them. Uh-oh, is one of them me? Well, no, one of them isn't you, but I'm hoping that any of my friends who might recognize a small little bit of themselves will not be offended that I wrote something that they told me. Well, let's hear this. Okay. The first one, actually, I was returning from UC Berkeley where I was teaching Cal Freshman composition, and I had to take the bus back. Parking is terrible up there. And so I started fantasizing about people on the bus. The first one is called Biographies. No one wants to sit to that huge, pink-faced, fat guy at the back of the bus I, an unwashed street person, will deign to do it. There, I just crammed myself next to his big fat ass. Ha! I'm lying. I'm not really a street person, just a retired Greek professor with long, stringy, gray hair. That fat guy has a spiffy black backpack, while I have a dingy cloth bag. I'm pulling out my library books. Yes, of course it's overdue. Do you expect me to read an entire huge book on Eleanor Roosevelt in only three weeks on the bus? Look what Fatso is reading, a graphic novel, lots of pictures. He probably works at the Rad Lab and never learned to read. Okay, so I'm not a retired Greek professor. I am a street person and live under the freeway near the racetrack. So where'd I get my tweed jacket? at a poetry reading in a cafe. Some guy, lousy poet, left it on the back of his chair and I nabbed it. Now let me get back to Eleanor. I always just open the book randomly, point my finger, and read. It's that good. But I hate biographies. Somebody always dies at the end. You just heard 
Judy Wells reading from her unpublished work, Senior Moments. The second piece is also a piece that I wrote on a bus, or thought about on the bus at least. Buses. I had to take one of those goddamn Van Hool buses today. Let's face it, I'm fat. But there I am, practically trying to crawl over this young man sitting up front. He wouldn't even move for that blind gal or an old lady who must have been 80. Well, I have gray hair too, and I qualify as a senior. Busted two fingernails, gripping my purse and nearly falling into the lap of that young guy. He sat there, with plugs in his ears, singing a song quietly, staring straight ahead. Never even looked at me, but I had time to study him. Pants down below his waist, sort of held up by a studded belt, black underpants. Nice haircut, dark good looks. Maybe he was from a foreign country where men don't perform any niceties for women. Not that our variety are that attentive either. I don't see why those damn Van Hool buses are in use. Jesus, I see old people on these buses every day staggering to get a seat before they're thrown to the floor. Yesterday, I pulled my back muscle when my driver jerked to a halt and I was holding on to a pole for dear life. Ladies, forget wearing any kind of heel if you have to take the bus. Wear athletic shoes. I mean it. They may save you a trip to the hospital, especially when those damn rapid buses go up Dwight Way like a bat out of hell over the most torn-up pavement you've ever seen in your life. Wear tennies, ladies. Please. I've heard that about the Van Hool buses. My friend Mary would always tell me how they were inhospitable to older people. The seats were hard if you could get a seat. And they jerked you around. There wasn't a place to really hold on. She was a bus rider or else she would have to take the handicapped vans that the city provided. And that was her main way to go get from one place to another. And the other thing that she mentioned about the buses was that they had taken away many of the bus stops so that then she was left in bad weather to walk very long distances to the next stop or where she was going. Yes, and it does seem that there's more standing room. And for students, that's great. They're still able to stand easily, whereas older folks need a place to sit down. The next one is the Chinese lantern plant. Today, I bought a bright yellow butterfly blouse and a tall Chinese lantern plant. I think the red and yellow flowers that hang from its branches look more like tiny bells with delicate clappers. The nurseryman told me in a cold snap the plant will die back to half its size, but it will come back. That's not like us humans. When we die back, we don't usually return dangling beautiful lanterns from our limbs. I never thought I'd be able to buy anything I wanted. My mother always said to me and my sister, I'm not going to leave you a single penny. I used to say, that's okay, Mom, because the way we lived, scrimping along so carefully on the farm, I never thought she had a penny. Now, everyone's gone. First Dad, then my sister, and finally Mom. She kept saying she was going to leave all her money to the town library or to the SPCA and donate the farm to the Lutheran Church. We never got along, and I lived halfway across the country from her on purpose. Still, I called her every day the last two years of her life. Did I want her to love me back? I guess so.
After she died, I was astonished to learn my Depression-era mom had amassed a small fortune dispersed in various banks, not counting the family house, barn, and farmland. She left everything to me, not the Lutheran Church. Tomorrow, I'm going to buy the latest iPhone and meet with an architect to renovate my old house. I like to sit and contemplate my Chinese lantern plant. It seems like Christmas every day now on my birthday. I'm almost 75 years old with 40 years of part-time teaching behind me and scrimping like my mom. Now, my life is ringing with abundance. I know I can't avoid the cold snap, but for the moment, I am happy. I wish that could happen to all part-time teachers. Yes. (laughs) The next one is called Dancing. And this is definitely a Berkeley poem or monologue. I want to participate more in Strawberry Lodge. You know, that senior facility where I live. I just get so wrapped up in my own projects. Finish one, then there's another art project. I forget about making friends. I did go out and participate in a demonstration against drones, though. U.S. killing innocent civilians in other countries. Cops wanting to spy on us from the air, that made me feel good. Getting back into my old Berkeley activism, I guess that's the problem. I don't want to be a drone in my old age, just buzzing around by myself on my own mission without any thought for anyone else. On New Year's Eve, there was a dance at the lodge. Can you believe it? All of us old farts dressed up in our 60s sparkles, flapping our arms and legs around, at least those of us without canes or wheelchairs. I know from my white hair and rimless glasses, I usually look like I'm a staid librarian or even a former nun. I hate that one, but I can still dance. And I'm pretty wild once I get going. I love it. I could see people looking at me with appreciation, even lust in some of those old duffers' eyes, if not envy. But then I got back to my room alone, and the examination of conscience set in. I didn't like myself at that moment. There I was, on my own mission downstairs, just a drone controlled by my ego, trying to get attention for my body, for God's sake, at my age. I tried to calm down. But then I caught a glimpse of myself in my full-length mirror, my one concession to vanity in my 10-foot by 12-foot room, my sparkly orange top, my long purple-flared Indian skirt, my sequined red shoes, and thought, I look great. I twirled around, did one of my boogaloo moves, and decided to go back downstairs and dance till midnight. You're listening to Judy Wells reading from her unpublished work, Senior Moments, a collection of monologues by mostly Berkeley seniors. This one's called Fairy Tale Ending. My brother's wife died recently. He's okay. He's spending a lot of time cleaning out the house. His wife was a hoarder. You'd open a closet door, and my God, 20 big bags of potato chips, cartons of Dr. Peppers, stacks of clothing in plastic bags from catalog orders, never worn. She had a terrible childhood. Her parents died, and she was placed in an orphanage. Then somehow she and my brother met and were married for 60 years. She had dementia for a long time, and my brother had to take care of her. 
Then he had a stroke, and somehow she came out of her total fog and took care of him. It was incredible. But as soon as he got better, back she went into her fog. Sometimes we thought it was more psychological. She was in the bathroom one day, and my brother heard a thump. He struggled to go in there, still had the effects of his stroke, and there she was slumped on the floor, eyes closed. My brother cradled her in his arms. That's all he could do. She fluttered open her eyes and said, I love you, and died. My brother told me later, that was just like Betty. She always had to have the last word. So these are imagined conversations or memories of conversations that you overheard? Well, this one was actually a real story told to me at a dining table at a family gathering. And actually, it wasn't in Berkeley. But people are very good storytellers. And I'm a good listener. So once I hear things, I get home. I embroider a tiny bit. But I didn't have to embroider much on this one. The next one is called High School Reunion. I can't remember whether it was 48th or 50th, but it was up there. We raised our two grandchildren. They call us mom and dad. My daughter is a complete drug addict, and we had to go to court to get custody of her kids. They know how to keep their distance from her. They refuse to see her when she's using, which means they hardly see her at all. I've been a high school English teacher and technical writer most of my adult life. Being here at our reunion, though, takes me back. Remember our high school senior English teacher, Miss Weehy? She would never give me anything above a C. I had an older brother who was a troublemaker in her class, and I think she had it in for me. But I got my revenge. My journalism teacher thought I was good and entered a speech I wrote into a Native Sons and Daughters of the Golden West contest. I won second prize statewide, and guess who had to award my prize? Miss Weehy. She didn't say a word when she handed the trophy to me. I was laughing inside. I learned one thing from her, though. Grammar. Sometimes I wonder why I became an English teacher. I've always had to supplement my income with tech writing and now children's books. My younger granddaughter just graduated from college with honors in accounting and found a high-paying job right away. The older one didn't want to go to college, but makes $135,000 a year with her knitting business. Can you beat that? I love language, but I'm thinking of taking up knitting and joining her. All too true. <laughs> Unfortunately, unfortunately, the teaching profession does not give you that much money. This one is called jewelry. I'm a former social worker, now jewelry maker. It helps get me through my retirement. A friend of mine recently asked me to customize two necklaces for her to wear to funerals. She's had to go to a lot of them recently and has two outfits she always wears. For a moment, I had the perverse thought of creating a huge black pendant painted with a white skull and crossbones or dangling a fluorescent orange skeleton with rhinestone eyes from a silver chain. I just wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty. Then I clicked into my sensible business self and asked to see her outfits. 
I created a beautiful necklace with a gold chain and a translucent green chalcedony pendant and another necklace with African painted beads in blues and reds. I'm actually glad we don't have to wear black to funerals anymore. I was once given a terminal diagnosis for a rare form of cancer and joined a cancer support group. It got depressing to lose so many friends, so I finally quit the group after five years. Amazingly, I survived. When I die, if I even have a funeral or memorial, I hope people come dressed in all the colors of the rainbow and in the wackiest jewelry they can find. So is that a real one? That's partially real. I embroidered it, especially with the jewelry. <laughs> I listen to the stories and then I begin spinning a little. But I have to admit that the core of the story comes from the original storytellers. And I have to thank them all. I have a few more here. This is called Wives Overheard at a Coffee Shop. This is a male persona. Wives. I usually bury my wives. This is the first time I've been divorced. It's been so bitter. Yesterday, she emailed me a photo of a pair of amber beads and earrings I bought her for our fifth wedding anniversary. I remembered how I fondled the beads when the saleswoman presented them to me at Shreve's, how I admired their rich, warm color, and imagined the heat they would generate as I fastened the clasp around my young wife's soft neck. They were very expensive, but I bought them anyway. My wife's email message followed. You told me these beads and earrings were worth a thousand dollars. I had them appraised at Shreve's and found out they were only worth $450. Damn you to hell. I want our divorce settlement revised. I admit I made a mistake. I am 77 years old, though I look 10 years younger. My wife is 40. I've nursed two wives through cancer. I guess I can't expect my third to die that way, too. I'll follow with a slightly happier one called Visions. I haven't told you this before. You know my mom, who's 103 years old, is suffering from dementia. For the past two years, she's been visited by two male figures. She says they're tall, very tall, and she always points to the ceiling. Who are they, I asked her. Angels, she says. Do they have wings? Oh, yes, huge, beautiful wings. And what are they wearing? Gold, she says, gold. They took me up with them, very high above the earth, and I saw and understood everything. But then they said I had to go back. You mean back there to that, that tiny space? So I had to go back. She's been trying to obey the angels for two years. They used to be more like authority figures for her. Show up in military uniform and tell her not to argue so much. If she accomplished that, they would give her further instructions. Strangely enough, my mom became a lot calmer, and we've been getting on so much better since these figures appeared. Now, they're angels. I think she's preparing for death, but isn't quite ready. Maybe her mind is, but not her body. I wonder if the day will arrive when her angels will give her permission to let go. 
I hope it's before we have to move her to a skilled nursing home. I'm hoping the angels are merciful. Wrap my mom in gold and let her ascend a final time. I guess we all have to deal with old age and death at a certain point, and we even have mothers and fathers who are older than we are when we're seniors, and the boomers are arriving. They will all face that problem. Actually, we begin facing it at birth. We do. We do. My final poem is called Art. I just got back from Russia, St. Petersburg. Oh, yes, I had a marvelous time. I had a painting exhibit there, and I was the big cheese. Afterwards, I gave away 17 paintings, 10 to a museum, the others to my admirers. I had several portraits, and they all went to the people who sat for them, my dear Russian friends. One woman had a roommate who saw my work and wanted a painting, so I gave her one, too. Some people think giving away your paintings devalues them. I don't think so. I'm sure there are many famous painters who once traded their work for rent, a loaf of bread, more canvases or paint, like Modigliani and Vincent van Gogh. And just think, I was spared the expense of shipping my work back from Russia to America. I don't need the money. I have a good life and can afford my own studio. I feel light, free, ready to create more. Still, even though I'm eager to get back into my studio, surrounded by my brilliant reds, oranges, blues, greens, my canvases, and now my quilts, I know a certain heaviness will set in. What am I going to do with all my work? I am 80 years old. That had to be one that you heard. I did. I heard this from a Berkeley artist, yes. It's a true story. It seems to me that's the problem about stuff, even if the stuff is art. What are you going to do with it? Because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. And all my friends who are artists have an accumulation of art, which maybe they haven't sold yet. And they wonder what they're going to do with it. We who are book people have a huge collection of books, often books signed by people we know or various authors, huge collections. And what are we going to do with all our stuff? Especially when perhaps the younger generation are not going to be reading books in paper. They're going to be reading them online. Stuff, stuff, stuff. You've been listening to Judy Wales. She's been reading from her new work, which is as yet unpublished and is for the moment called Senior Moments, a collection of overheard dialogues, monologues by Judy Wells. Thanks, Nina. It was wonderful to be here.
following poem is by me, Nina Serrano. It's called A Cold Day in Spring. Cold day in spring. I struggle to remember spring. Winter threatens to blow back in with a cloud, a word, a bad word, a shouting word. I stretch towards spring to blossom like a flowering fruit. What says the I Ching? I have not tossed the coins. When I last did, and the time before that, and many times before that, it said the same thing over and over, always the same. Work on what has been spoiled. Am I still doing it? Indoor, outdoor. Late in a hurry to get to the meeting door, I rushed forward when my hair and face tangled with invisible threads, an immense gossamer weaving, dangling from the tree to just above the pavement. Insects the size of a child's thumb climbed up 15 feet strands to the leafy bough. I stopped and saw, but didn't investigate. After all, all the important stuff happens indoors. Healing wishes. May your days be filled with light emanating from within and creating ever-widening circles of love that your eyes evoke and your body carries. May health glean from every cell you bear, continually renewing what is sacredly you and your shining smile that gladdens a community. This poem as a video on my website, ninaserrano.com, under Poems in the Redwoods. with Jill Montgomery for the Poet to Poet series. Please check out my website, ninaserrano.com, to hear other programs, poems, and a listing of my upcoming events. Thanks for listening.
Do you know about The Throwaways? The Throwaways is a timely film, a provocative look at mass imprisoning and police brutality on black men in America. Michelle Alexander says The Throwaways courageously explores the most pressing racial justice issue of our time, the mass incarceration of poor people of color. Millions of impoverished people, particularly poor people of color, are being literally thrown away. KPFA and the International House of UC Berkeley will screen The Throwaways, a phenomenal documentary film, twice at 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. on Thursday, January 29th at International House, Piedmont Avenue at Bancroft in Berkeley. The film's director and producer will be present with Davey D for a serious Q&A. This KPFA benefit has